1: Welcome, I'm Dr. Jeremy Locoball, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. If you are in or getting into the Industrial Organizational Psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking for support to jumpstart your career, blaze your IO path, and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBoc's IO Career Pathfinder membership at CBoc.com. If you're a more established IO practitioner, check out our expert membership to showcase your expertise, build your brand, and be part of our initiatives. Do you lead a university's IO or applied IO psychology program? Go to cblock.com, get in touch to partner with us to build your program's brand and get solid, real-world support for your students. Let us do the heavy lifting for their engagement and experiences and businesses. Get in touch. We've got the bank of experts you need for coaching, consultation, and program development and execution. Please subscribe to the podcast because it helps us out and it helps the field of I.O. Also, today we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor too. He is the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community.
2: There are two articles. Today's um, topic is social media reputation on impact for organizations and the way I understood this was to be the impact that a company's social media reputation can have on the the rep uh, on the company and so I have two articles um, here and then providing the brief summary of each of those so that you don't get to read them ahead of time typically here we go all right with these two articles, the first one is social media driven antecedents and consequences of employees' awareness of the impact on corporate reputation. And what that covered really was when employees use social media, their behavior can't be, can be attributed to their employer and thereby shaping the company's reputation in the eyes of various stakeholders. Uh, thus, employees are well advised to use social media in a way that does comply with the social norms in social media to avoid reputational damage to their firm. This is from the Journal of Business Research, and it was from September 2020. And then the second article is public responses to employee posts on social media, the effects of message valence, message content, and employer reputation. And the purpose of this study was to examine the effects of um, employees' personal social media posts on the um, online engagement and word of mouth intentions about a company. And the findings for this was were that the experimental results showed participants expressed expre- expressed more likes, more like intentions when they viewed a positive post than a than a negative post, and more likely they were also more likely to comment on a job-related post as opposed to an organizational related post. That's it in a nutshell. And there are also seven different elements that are affected by organizational reputation, that have an impact on organizational reputation. And those are brand image, customer engagement, trust and credibility, sales and revenue, employee morale and recruitment, crisis management and market position. One of the questions I had today was, really, what do we see as the current scope of what we understand in social media today? Because I think it's expanded. And one point about those articles is I chose ones that were from 2020. They were most some of the most recent I could find. And both articles indicated the fact that there's very little research in this area, so there's not a lot to pull from. But I chose the later articles because I feel like there has been an evolution in how we interact with social media over the past decade and the extent to which we engage with social media. I had the, the, That was one of the questions was, what's the current scope of we, what we understand social media to be today? And then how are companies really creating their social media reputation? And I thought those might be good questions to start off with.
3: If you don't mind, Lyndon, I'd like to even take it a step back further because You know, maybe I'm old enough, but I remember a time when social media was not allowed in business that you couldn't be attached to your social media accounts. But then all of a sudden, we started to understand that you could actually use social media in the business, that you can start to use your employees' social media to reach a larger market. And now we're seeing some organizations which actively use it. But I'm still sitting here at the point of of asking the question, should business be using social media? Because it can create some big issues.
2: Yeah, it can. And, And I think that a lot of companies don't realize that they really need to have a social media policy that indicates that the expectation is that you, whether you're posting personally or on behalf of the business or not, in both instances, it reflects on the company. For in, a, in a lot of different ways. you know. For example, if you're, say you were a nurse and you were commenting on particular health issues, because of who you are and what your profession is, there's a certain amount of implied expertise and liability that comes with that. I think that there's no way to control whether or not people are going to actually post or how much of it is indirectly related to the company but to have some general expectations about utilizing social norms in your posts, because no matter what, it can come back to the company and that can be a reasonable expectation for a company.
4: And Nick, what are you seeing out there? I think there's, there's a variety of context. I mean, I think you choose which platforms you engage on. You know, the way you behave on LinkedIn should be different than how you behave on Facebook and Twitter and things like that. You know, LinkedIn is the obvious kind of point A to point B because it is the professional networking site where, yeah, that's the most likely place to have visibility with your employer. There's somebody that I've recently had come up uh, on the feed that, you know, every point has the disclaimer saying, these are my opinions and do not reflect upon my employer. That's fine, well, and good, but, you know, there's a certain level of you can't untangle the person from the organization. Um, as people go to research, they're going to say, "Oh, well, this works for so and so's company." I'm going to have this voice here, whether whether that's what the company believes or not. This is a person that I'm going to have to to interact with in the in the office. I think there is so much of social media that is just beyond control. Um, you can't necessarily, you know, you can't control the trolls out there. You know, if you put something out with the best of experience. Seabok has this event going on, and you get dive bombed by somebody who says, "Well, science is a fraud," and just starts a firestorm in the comments. Yeah, I mean, there's no such thing as bad press to a degree, but there is something that that impacts the reputation. And I think most reasonable people would only see what you can control uh, with your social media presence as an individual or as an organization. Of here's what I'm saying, here's how I'm clarifying, here's how I'm engaging. And some of these things have more to do with, with the people who are just trying to to cause trouble and things like that. So it's, it's interesting because it, it brings to mind to me a point of kind of for the individual, what is, what is your identity as an individual and what is your identity as a member of an organization and where is that line and how much separation do you want? How much separation can you get? And what are the rights of your employer to influence, um, what you express, how you express it, and where you express it. You know, we we saw in the last few cycles, political opinions becoming kind of that hotbed, you know, oh, somebody posted on their personal, well, this doesn't line up with the organization and, and they got those sort of consequences when they were acting as a private citizen, but the organization's like, no, you've got us, you're connected to us in a pretty clear way uh, and we want to have control over, you know, over our brand, over our messaging and reputation.
3: And and I've seen a lot of organizations, because I, I agree with you totally, like we can't stop this. But I think, you know, when you mentioned what's the voice that we're speaking with, especially when we're on social media for an organization, and it seems most organizations are reactive. So it's if you post something, then you'll hear about it. But are we having those conversations with employees when we go, all right, we're going to be using social media. We want you to use your social media or we can set up secondary accounts through the organization. But this is the voice we speak with. These are the messages that we want to send out. Do do we have to start treating our employees a little bit like spokespeople and maybe give them some of that training? Anyone can jump in on that.
4: (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think that there's, there's a very realistic growing sort of your digital persona. And as much as we have trouble separating, you know, our personal identities and getting wrapped up in work and things like that, your digital persona is is very much going to fall into those same things. And so, yeah, trying to, to try those clear lines and it's not easy because it's not easy in real life and it's not going to get any easier digitally. Again, it's, it's that how much control does your employer have over, over what you say and what you do? I think there is that that clarity you can try and generate with this is on company time this is on company resources this is how you have to behave when you're under our our banner under our umbrella to your point about being reactive versus proactive I think that's that's very true and I think sometimes you know it's easy to fire something off very very quickly and not think about the the unintended consequences uh, of what that might look like. And so I think that the more organizations do realize that they have a digital presence and how that ties into their branding, their marketing, I joined the gym and they're like, Oh, if you, you know, put out a post about your workout, we'll give you five reward points or whatever. And I'm like, well, this is brilliant, free marketing for them because they don't have to have, you know, everybody following that, that, that I do and all that sort of stuff. And actually that forced me (laughs) into one way or another to to jump on Twitter uh, because I had had resisted to that point. And so there are things that they're using it for in marketing. um, But I think that that is that outward facing that, you know, trying to drive it. And I think more organizations are going to get savvy about employee culture, um, kind of creating a cohesive brand and those that can really put together a, a full strategy that touches on all parts of the business and not just the outward facing um, are going to have a better time about uh, employee engagement and and maintaining their reputation and messaging as they go forward.
3: So, Linda Ann, let me, let me go back to you because we can't avoid it. And, you know, marketing, communication, they're all using it right now. And as... <laughs> As Nick says, you know, we we want to get our employees on there. We want them to be advocates for the organization. But has HR just expanded? Because now isn't it HR who is going to have to deal with all of the issues that may arise?
2: Most likely. And that's why you need to have a, um, an, a policy to some degree in your employee handbook. But I think that, you know, you don't want to be the social media police, that's for sure. And uh, and and I don't know that you can. You know, there's free speech, so First Amendment is a is a thing. But the backlash on that is, you know, does it have a negative effect on the company and the extent to which your perception as an employee and what you're putting out there is accurate? If it's defamatory, then you're you have an issue, right? So um, you have to be careful about as an individual, if you're not happy with your employer and what you're putting out there can cause unintended consequences, unintended consequences. And I saw an example in one of these articles where, you know, someone who, I don't know if it was a clothing company or whatever, and someone posted something about a well-dressed fat woman, you know, it being, you know, they had, the, the, because it was clothing, you know, and it was, it, but the company interpreted the word fat to be negative and the employee got fired because you know I guess it was against their social media policy or however that they interpreted it, but that's a really negative I don't think it was an intentional thing because right. it sounds like it was supposed to be, you know it was her perception of herself and how she she thought it was a, a good product but it created that negative, um, connotation with the product. And they weren't happy about that. So there were consequences for it.
3: And, and, and we see that type of reaction all, all the time. But are, was that the proper thing to do? Or was there even a discussion with the employee? And was that employee given some training to maybe use better word choices? Or why wasn't that vetted?
2: You know, I don't. I thought when I read that, I thought that was a bit harsh. But, um, <laughs> but I think that you know, one of the questions I had for for today was, you know, do companies themselves understand the impact that employees have on the company's social media reputation? I don't. I don't think that a lot of organizations, especially founders, and if you're talking about a company that's fifty to a hundred employees or even less, are they making any efforts into helping? Employees understand the impact that they have on the company's social media reputation, but they have to understand that themselves first before they can do that.
4: I think you're you're absolutely right. Um, much as we talk, you know, training the training and development space, you know, if you have a bad curriculum and you put it online, it's not magically going to get better. Right. So I think you do have to have those policies and and progress in place uh, to to take a good branding, marketing effort, or, you know, employee engagement strategy, if that's not good in theory and in foundation, when you launch that into the digital world, it's it's still not going to be great. Um, so I think, you know, you put a, a bad a bad methodology, no matter what, you know, tool you're using to, to get it out to the public, it's, it's going to reflect um, the core values of it. And I think that social media is still kind of a, a wild, wild west uh, to one degree or another. We've talked about generational differences you know in these conversations before and I've voiced that I'm not a huge big believer in it but there are the the digital natives you know there's there's my age that grew up at the computer lab in school and I've watched it and, and been kind of on the front side of everything and been able to to learn it reasonably well and then there's those that are coming behind me that this has been their reality like there there is a job title out there called YouTube star you know content producer like these are new roles that we're seeing come about. Um, I know I was with an insurance company that had a social media team from the very beginning and they were deliberate about, okay, we want as many of our employees to be on LinkedIn as possible. And here's how you make a solid LinkedIn profile. And they did some, some educating on it. And this was still several years ago. So hopefully they've, they've continued that, you know, and it was helpful for me as an individual to have that presence shored up and and understand what the power of the tool is as well as they you know got some ways to say well here's where you can find the approved colors and if you're going to use the banner like here it is and all of that uh, and keep the brand standards there as well Uh, but that's even only a first step because everybody's trying to to grab the headline or or be sensational or, or be that next you know content creator voice on linkedin twitter certified you know there's all these things that that seem easy enough to get but you've got to You've got to be dedicated to to doing it, and you've got to you've got to know you'd be thinking three four steps ahead to some degree as well.
3: And just want to take a quick break for a second to remind everyone in the room that if you'd like to join the conversation today, uh, just put your cursor over your little icon on the bottom, and you will see a little thing that pops up that says "Add to Stream." Come on here and join us and express your side of the discussion. Uh, so let me ask you this: Because do we, is is that a new role for IO psychologists? Is working with content creators to make sure that they stay within the social norms of the organization? Is there and and you know if it's not an IO job, who whose job is that?
2: Well, I mean, there's social media managers in some companies, right? And I'm sure that in smaller companies there might be a person who has that. As other duties, as assigned, part of their job, um, <laughs> but you know, and and there's a the thing that is called is employee advocacy, and that's not ad, advocacy for your employees. It's how your employees can advocate for the company, right? And right. those are that's that's really the role that Gaggle Amp and many others have softwares for where your social manager, social media manager can go ahead and provide you content, provide content to the employees for the different platforms, and then the employees can choose to post that or not post it. And the benefit to the employee in that is it creates a level of expertise, recognition, and uh, frequency of posts so that you are more relevant on any given platform.
3: Well, let me ask you this because I remember talking to Glenn Godet of Gagalamp Oh, probably about a year ago. And and also Liam Martin of Time Doctor, both who are remote-only companies. And I think it was Liam told me the story about how before the pandemic, you know, there was the CEOs of major organizations who wouldn't take his call. The pandemic happens, the lockdown occurs. All of a sudden, they're calling him, going, how do I get my employees working from home? So it seemed like everyone wanted to listen to those people while the lockdown was happening and when we were all trying to figure out how to actually do remote work. But now, you know, we seem to got into a phase where these corporations are just demanding that their employees come back to the office. And we've sort of look, now looking at those remote only companies is going, I, I, I don't want to talk to them anymore because they're going to convince all of my employees to go remote. But when it comes to social media, I mean, they've been doing it. I mean, they're kind of the leader. Should we be looking at what a gaggle app, what a time doctor, what those organizations are doing when it comes to social media?
2: Well, I think that they've got the best handle on it. You know, I mean, there's several other companies, you know, that there's one of the things I did for this conversation was to look at who their competitors were. And there's, you know, a list of 10, 15 different companies that are all providing those services. So that there is obviously a need all of those needs are going to change now with the advent of AI <laughs> right I mean GPT chat chat GPT excuse me I mean daily people are like holy cow right so how everything that we've known in business today up to today is going to have a big twist on it on how it's performed
3: I, I could be me or I could use AI to completely disguise who I am I could be I could be Barack Obama for one day
4: <laughs> i think that part of part of the challenge of social media you know one you know there's a lot that you can't control individually uh but i think as far as business goes so far it's only been seen as a marketing tool it's we have to have our face out there we have to be engaging we have to be generating content so that, that we're relevant and all of these things you know we have to have the presence we have to play by the rules we have to get the the eyeballs and, and all of those sorts of, of metrics are really what they're looking at but, you know, if you take a look at who your followers are, are they, are they fans of the brand or are they people that have worked in the organization? And can we put that social component back into social media? Can we use it to connect people via a fully remote company? Can we use it to enhance how people interact in the office? You know, I, I think there's a lot that can be done um, with the more social side. And I tend to be an optimist and assume... Uh, positive intent and, and try and go see the other side of an argument and oftentimes you know one small word can can light a firestorm uh via social media um but i think if we can pull it out of the pure marketing mindset and really show it as a piece of who the organization is, what their culture is. Uh, I think that's where, where the power is going to be for you know people seeking jobs to see, okay, they are who they say they are. And they've demonstrated this through the language they use on their website, through what they're doing on Twitter. And again, that requires some digital literacy to understand what platform is for what goal. And that's right. going to change organization to organization. But I'm reaching out to professionals via LinkedIn. I am really just trying to market when I'm on Facebook or I'm trying to get engagement and conversation on various other sorts of things I I think too often social media posts tend to talk at people instead of talk to or with people um, and I think that yeah that takes more effort that takes more connection but it's the same you know face to face if an organization doesn't foster their culture doesn't take those extra steps to engage their people and really know what their their mission and their vision is, then they're, they're not going to have a cohesive strategy because they don't have the, the center anchor point to it.
3: Potentially, and, and Linda, and maybe I'm gonna come back to you on this one, but you know, if I'm looking to recruit and I've got my HR people, you know, putting those job postings out there, is it also a good idea to engage with people who may be interested on a social media platform such as a Facebook? So I'm not only sending out the job posting, I'm sending out if you want, if you have any questions, if you want to talk about this, you can reach us through Facebook or through some other social media platform and engage with those potential employees even before they filled out an application.
2: Oh, yeah. And a lot of hiring managers and even, you know, and and will do that on their Facebook um, accounts. They'll say, you know, we're hiring. If you're interested, give me contact me at whatever. Um, And it's done on LinkedIn, you know, and and sometimes we would ask any of the employees within the organization, especially if we're having a hard time filling a particular position, we'd ask all of the employees to just put a, you know, hey, we're hiring, you know, we're looking for this. If you know anybody or you're interested, you know, contact me, those kinds of things. So those those are helpful. Um, I think one of the things that is gonna be is difficult and and I think it's kind of a hidden aspect is there are so many different social media entities that aren't the Facebook and the LinkedIn and the Instagram. There's a lot of other ones and we have no idea the scope of people's social media engagement on all different kinds of platforms.
3: And, and I think I've even mentioned that it, now in the acting professions, one of the questions you will be asked uh, you know, in an audition is how many followers you have, because the production companies are looking at your followers as potential people that they can market their product to. But this kind of takes me into an area of being somebody who creates content and working sometimes with people who they think it's a great idea. Let's let's create something. Let's put it online. But then you put them in front of a camera and everything changes. And there are some people like I, I know right now, if I walked into any organization and said, hey, we're going to create content, we're going to use social media, I'm going to put you all on camera, at least half of that group is going to go, no, 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 I I, I don't do camera, I don't want to do this. Do we have to have some of those discussions? Do we, do we go, well, maybe this isn't for everybody, but those of you who want to use this as an asset, we're going to give you some training. Too often I see videos online that you should have never made that video. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Or you should have at least talked to me before you made that video. So how do we
4: manage that? That's a, that's a separate, I mean, well, it's, it's a connected issue, but I think it is separate. You know, we talk about, I mean, any, any idiot with a camera can, can go out and do a a whole lot of things. And there have been people that have been successful by, you know, man on the street sort of interviews and and just trying to surprise people or catch that moment uh, via their cell phone. And it's incredible, but, if you're trying to manage your reputation as an organization, production value comes into to play in a, a fairly huge way as well. And yes, yeah, some of that is who's speaking, what are they saying? You want to show off your organization and everybody inside it. But if you've got you know, somebody who's got anxiety about being on camera and they're just going to freeze up, that's not going to put them in the best light. And so you're not supporting the person who's there. That's probably not going to paint a very good picture to anybody on the outside uh, looking in as well um so yes i would i would be a big advocate for for quality of of production because there is a oh it's so easy anybody must be able to do it and that's that's not always the case it just (laughs) it does make me laugh when you see some of these things like what were they thinking what and then i go why did i just watch that like you know, that's, I, I want that 30 seconds of my life back, but there are social media becomes this, this weird and powerful animal because it is unleashing the, the digital world and, and everybody's connected and everybody it's, it's very egalitarian. And that if you have a phone with a camera, you can likely get, you know, you can record a podcast, you can record a blog or a video or, or whatever it is that you want to do. And there's enough ways out there to get the message out that it, again, it's a simple road there, but it's not it's not creating anything new. I mean, we call it a social network because you are networking. You know, if you're trying to portray your organization and invite people in, you're networking with your connections. And that's that's not a new skill. That's a struggle that's been, you know, in business for, for a very long time. Uh, there are people who are good at it and there are people who are not. And there are things that you can learn and there are things that are, that are inborn. And I, I think too often it gets mysticized because it is this high technology, game changing sort of thing. But when you do really boil it down, it comes back to the fundamentals and it comes back to, to those connections and does your, what do you want your organization to look like? Okay. What does success look like? I mean, I know in my program of study, it was always start with the end result. Like, what does this actually look like? Okay. How do we measure that? And then, and work backwards to, to find those tools that we need to, to make sure that we can paint that picture correctly.
3: And I'm also a big fan of, you know, when, when I was a kid and I went to the hardware store. I knew the hardware store owner, you know, he was a member of the community. We all knew this person. There was, you know, the hardware store is the guy, the reputation of the hardware store is his personal reputation in town. But we seem to see, you know, or at least I want the same thing from the president of Coca-Cola. You know, I want the same thing from the president of, of, you know, IBM or Amazon where, you know, I actually want to see that owner talking to the people that use their products. Now, maybe not every owner is, you know, comfortable on camera. But for those who are, to me, that is incredibly strong marketing and really promotes the company forward. Is, is that sort of the thing that we want organizations to be engaging with? Because if, if I can get the owner to do that, and then I can get some of the frontline employees to start doing that as well, it really engages the potential audience for that company.
2: I think that's really important. And what that does for an organization is it creates an approachability and a level of trust for that organization, whether the trust is warranted or not, isn't (laughs) relevant to that, right? Because you're creating it, you're out there and people, it's just like, you know, your news anchors, right? You feel like you know them because they're in your living room every day. And so there's that level of, of perceived trust. And so I think that leaders in organizations can really develop that. I think that the more you can create a standard structure for your communications and provide it as, as a done for you kind of process, where you can put your own twist or whatever and be very proactive in that process and make it easy for the individuals to use, the more likely, even though it's a voluntary process, the more likely you'll be able to have some level of control over that process because it's easy for them to use and easy for them to do.
3: So (laughs) maybe this is, you know, kind of pointing at the obvious, but we do this every single week. And IOs and HR professionals get an opportunity to appear on camera and express their views. So is that not building your credibility, building your exposure to a larger audience?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
3: So, and and <laughs> we're kind of like a news program. Here we are in, you know, three little bubbles.
4: <laughs> well, Tom, to, to that point, I think CBOC is is an organization that I I came into and I have never shaken a hand. I have only, you know, engaged people through through video conferencing and things like that. And those relationships, you know, they take longer to develop because there are more obstacles to, to really getting to know who is, you know, about what. And you just, as long as you have that consistency and you keep showing up, that does kind of still flower out of that. The same it would be if we were meeting in a coffee shop every week, um, right. it would be faster, but you know, we've got the, the tools and everybody's all around the country. Um, so I think that is an, an example of, well, it's generating content, it's creating a platform, it's creating engagement, and it's not a, you know, we're not a, a brand per se, uh, but, you know, we've got a, a coalition of people trying to, to you know, advance the science and, and get the, the right tools in the hands of the right people. Um, and I think that it's it's happening to one degree or another. Uh, the one thing that I do recall, I think it was here in Denver, there was a restaurant that had an influencer of some sort come in and said, this place is amazing, and it lit a firestorm to where they were too busy. I know that's, you know, rarely a thing, but they just couldn't handle the demand. And so I think that there is, careful what you wish for, you just might might get it um, with some of this, you know, if, if you do it well, people are going to notice. Um, and the the megaphone is so much larger and so much far farther reaching um, when it is accessible to anybody who's got, you know, a cell phone in five minutes. Um, that I think there is some caution to be said that there there's power in the tool like it it feels cheesy it feels ridiculous to think that you know we've got teenagers who are you know catching skateboard tricks and lighting the world on fire with the content they have because it's connecting with people you know and they they've had the success and now you know you see the success stories and you want to be that but at the same point like if you don't hold true to that center centerpiece of what are we doing why are we doing it how are we doing it it's it could very well blow up in your face. Now, if somebody else comes in and shines a light on on your social media or or gives you that boost or that that amplification, that's not something you can generally can control, but should you have that level of exploding success, how are you going to handle it? You know, if the lines out the door and you're still running a staff of 3 and you need a staff of 15, you know, you're going to have to to take those pauses and realize the influence that social media can have in success as well as failure. I think a lot of times you're, you're trying to stave off, you know, the bad review or, you know, anything like that. But what if it goes right? Are you prepared to, to meet that new expectation that people are seeing?
3: So (laughs) see how much trouble I can get myself in here. A little story about a year or so ago, uh, one of the local restaurant bar owners approached me and asked me some questions about how do you do video because the way they decided they were going to promote their organization was create a reality TV kind of concept on YouTube, you know, where, what is it really like to be a server, you know, or a bartender in this town? And they talked to me, I said, well, this is how you do it. And then they went and did it. And now I'm watching these episodes wondering, is this really benefiting (laughs) this organization? So (laughs) if you're interested, it's called. Look on YouTube. It's called Lake Shore Drive, LSD, <laughs> which is where I start to have problems with it. Um, and just you know, if you're listening to the <laughs> to the podcast or if you're on the program today, just go and take a look at it and and let me know. You know, just con- contact us here at Seabock and let me know if you think this is going to be positive for the organization or negative. I mean, if I got asked again, part of the, the, what I'd be asking the owner is. What exactly are you trying to do with this? And what's the story? What's the narrative? But it's a really interesting experiment that they're trying. Are they going the right way or the wrong way? Because I'm sure they're going to attract a clientele. I'm just not sure if it's the clientele that they really want. So, you know, if you're looking for something to do, go on YouTube and look up Lakeshore Drive and then just send us some comments here at Seabock. I'd love to hear what other people think of it. And, And heck, we'll drive up their hits a few and we'll see what happens but is do we want as organizations to start creating those kind of story formats where i get to know the employees i get to know everyone in the organization so that i start to form that relationship even before i walk in their store
2: well one of the things that the org- that the the articles today talked about was the fact that you know positive comments positive things and, and individually positive things like coming from the, the employees versus the organization have far more interaction than negativity. That's something to consider. And I'm happy to hear that <laughs> because uh, there's a lot of negative stuff out there sometimes to think. But I, one of the things I wanted to respond to was Nick's point about making sure that you have the infrastructure before you do your marketing uh, because the quickest way to kill your business is to have them show up and not be able to handle them. And so that was always one when, when, of when I was working within an organization and I was doing some marketing and, and so forth, I would always have those conversations. Okay, when we hit this number, what are we going to do then? Do that pre-thought, do that preparation. Because once you have in general, pissed off a client or a potential client, the opportunity to get them back or the ability to get them back is far more difficult than to get them in the first place. So make sure that you do have that ability to scale, that you have that infrastructure within your organization, whatever that needs to be, whether it's processes, systems, equipment, and so forth, to scale up and have that understanding before you press the button.
3: If I'm running HR in an organization, do I need to start looking for my social media stars and grooming them?
2: I I think that that has to be, there has to be something intrinsic to those individual people that they want to do it. I don't think you're going to take this introverted engineer and make them your social media superstar. They might be able to support it, but it's kind of a a voluntary process you can't do as Lee would often say, you know, <laughs> where you're, everybody steps back and you're the volunteer, you know,
4: <laughs> something jumps out to me. It's, I know we're getting to the end of the conversation. Um, but I mean, I think organizations have been already using social media to the tool as well, because I recall a job that I got, you know, several years ago, they're like, yeah, we, we scoped you out on Facebook. You know, you always are told as a job seeker, scrub your social media, make sure it's it's squeaky clean so it's it's already there to a degree, like you're gonna know who's engaged. I think there is still very, an old guard uh, protection rather than, okay, is this person engaging? Are they, is, there, is their voice outside the office going to be something that translates in the office? Is this something we can leverage? It's those those secret skills that I think you find out on the resume and then you forget about two years later and the organization moves into a Spanish speaking country and you forgot that John finished his Duolingo and, and is fluent in Spanish. And, you know, you go out and find somebody new instead of of digging within uh, to remember who has those the skill sets as well. So it's a it's a balance between surveillance and interest uh, to some degree. It is it is a public square. It is a public forum. And I'd be you know interested to, to see what sort of policies and, and laws are, are out there as far as what you can and cannot use. In, in decision-making. And I would bet that organizations are, are more than likely putting their foot in their mouth based on doing a, a social media search for somebody in the hiring process uh, rather than you know trying to, to come up with a tiebreaker and see who the... They may be saying, I'm trying to get a better picture of who this person is, um, but they're also fueling their own bias um, because how much of that is actually job-related or not and we hear the horror stories of you have a picture up from college that 10, 15 years old that, well, it's not so flattering now. Or somebody unearths a tweet that you fired off 15 years ago that isn't great and hasn't aged well. And now you're getting you know completely shut down for it. And so I think that's where you know organizations may hesitate to really experiment the same way that an individual can on social media. Like the kid filming at the skate park, he can try anything. And he can say, oh, this guy had landed the trick and it's awesome. Or, oh, I saw the gnarly wipeout and that's that's what I'm going to focus on. Um, and they can pivot. They can move. An organization trying to protect their reputation knows that it's forever if it's on the Internet, even if you delete it, somebody somebody grabbed a screen capture. That's going to paint you in an unflattering light. And that's where, you know, how you engage becomes so crucial into the policy because are you reactive? You know, are you willing to raise your hand and say, yeah, we said that. It was dumb. It fell on deaf ears. I would be interested to see how Budweiser looks in the next six months uh, based on everything that's going on in the news because they took a swing. They tried to reach out to a new community for their product and forgot that that might hit a nerve with the the base that's already there. And so those experiments, there's there's a transparency that you have on social media that you can't get rid of. Everybody can see that. You said it out loud and people are going to hold you to that now, next week, next month, and in 15 years if it, it supports what they want to view of your organization or your brand.
3: Yeah, know your audience.
2: <laughs> One thing that's important though to to realize as a as an employee is to make sure you understand your organization's social media policy because when you sign that handbook you say I understand this and I agree to it. And so if the company says you're not allowed to make nev- negative comments about the company you have to abide by it. It doesn't matter that, and I'm not a lawyer, but if you agreed to that policy, then whether or not it's free speech or not, you have said you wouldn't do it. So you need to, both sides, you need to have the policy and the employee needs to understand that policy and adhere to it because it's part of your employment with that organization.
3: Do you Do you think that... Um organizations are ready or do you think they need to look at those social media policies and uh, you're shaking your head already <laughs> so they're not ready
2: social media has been around for for quite some time now and, and organizations still aren't ready you know i would bet there's a whole lot of people that don't have a social media policy in their employee handbook
3: and if you don't have one with your organization contact linda ann
4: and she will help you
3: <laughs> to establish that um, and and how often should we, be, if technology changes so quickly and these platforms come and go so quickly. You know, I, I was on audio platforms that, you know, two years ago that don't even exist anymore. But how often should we be looking at updating that social media policy?
2: At least annually. The employee handbook should be uh, updated at least annually. And I I'm working with an organization now putting together their employee handbook. And I said, you need an AI policy and run this one by your lawyer. (laughs) Because it establishes, you know, how you, the transparency and, and do you have permission to use AI? And you have to reveal that you're using AI in any level and all these kinds of things. And I strongly urge people to incorporate an AI policy right now because it's going to go fast and furious and the possibility for legal liability exists.
3: Well, well, let me ask you, you know, in that regards, because I know that, you know, sometimes when I'm on a website, uh, you know, a little box will pop up in the bottom corner that says, hi, if you have any questions, you know, put them into the little box here and we'll add. And And I know it's not a real person on some of those. Sometimes it's just an AI computer that has stock answers you know it's like the old fact page but i know that's not a real person and i don't like talking to people who aren't real is that another thing that we're going to have to consider is how we use ai to engage with potential clients and customers and and when we use a real person because maybe i'm old school but i like talking to real people
2: i think what we need to understand is at least at this stage that AI is a tool; it doesn't replace humanity. And while it may, you know, usurp some job functions, there needs to be that evolution as to how does this advance my job functions rather than remove my job functions. But and I've seen some, I've read some things about this already, where it's not going to replace, and there's nothing that will replace the humanity and the human need part of what we do with people. It will make some of our jobs, especially the tedious parts of our job, far easier and faster. Holy cow, it's a lot faster. But um, that gives you the time to have that relationship.
3: And like a lot of social media tools, it's neither good nor bad, It's, it's how you incorporate it. But we all maybe need to take a step back and to actually, as you say, actually plan this before we jump into it (laughs) because you're going to end up with problems and create that, that system to experiment with and just don't go into it blindly.
2: Right. You need to embrace it, plan for it. Otherwise you're going to end up putting out a lot of fires. Nick. Unnecessary fires.
4: I, I mean, I think that there's, there's already been some, some level of shift even in the last 10, 20 years, like we're, we got, you know, smartphones and everybody's, you know, locked into it. And now we're seeing well, it, it's bad for this, that, and the other sleep patterns and all this. And so you see people pushing back more towards a, a minimalist sort of thing. So there's, there's pendulum swings and there's understanding those second, third, fourth order um, consequences of, of some of these technologies and things like that. And it is happening quickly. And I think you do have to be light on your feet to really survive what's out there. Again, I keep going back to, if you don't have your core vision statement, if you don't have a clear sense of purpose in what you're doing, uh, which I know you've spoken on before, Tom, you know, everybody, everybody wants that why, everybody is trying to have work with purpose. And I think, A, that's important just from a human interaction standpoint, but I think that will drive the, se- if you can lock into that and have it as the centerpiece of what you're doing, that will be the driving engine to, okay, we're creating content, why? Because this is who we are as an organization, we're educators, so we're educating people on new policies, new laws, and how we can help you. It's still marketing, okay? How are we doing that? You know, we we want to be funny and and all that. And all of those, all of those questions about how do I use this tool can be answered in what are we, who are we, and why are we? Um, and I think if you can hold on to that, it will it'll make some of those new things a whole lot less scary. Um, I don't think it protects you from from all the bumps in the road because there's. There's too many too many factors that happen too quickly, but I think if you have that sense of organizational identity, organizational culture, you can weather those storms a whole lot faster than than by just saying, "Oh, we we goofed up," or you know, "Here's my formal apology and retraction." Um, I think that there's there is a chance for organizations to take on more personal things. We talk about the transparency of the CEO talking to people and all of that. There's a I don't know if it's the right term for an organization, but there's there's a vulnerability that comes in that transparency that a lot of people will you know take that and and maybe serve out a little bit more grace than you know the tight-lipped organization that oh we had a chemical spill we're cleaning it up we're so sorry good day um, sorts of things so there's there's again there's a lot of good that can, can come out of it there's a lot of damage that can happen um, and if you don't have a, an anchor point I think you're going to get tossed around by the waves every which way through AI, through social media, through the next five things that are going to come down the pike. It is coming. And if you can't ignore it
3: any longer, you've got to get involved. You've got to see if it works for you. Uh, Linda, and you also don't
4: have to be the first one in line to to take the risk. <laughs> yeah. Early adoption versus pioneer is a whole different, whole different air airspace.
2: I think that also, organizations, leader, you know, like CEOs, founders, and especially for, you know, your smaller organizations, which those are most of the organizations in the country, right? Um, It doesn't have to be the CEO who takes the lead on this. You can really generate a lot of excitement within your organization if you put it out there and say, here's what we want to do. Here's like, who's wants to embrace this? Who who wants to teach each other? Who wants to bring us, level us up versus, holy crap, how am I going to do this? I need to control this. You know, provide the learning opportunity to everyone and it'll shake out.
3: You, you have creatives all through your organization. If you can identify those creatives and give them the resources, they will do amazing things for you. I was thinking as you were saying that, I want to see a video clip of a factory who busts into a flash mob and does a dance.
4: <laughs> OSHA might have something to say about that.
3: <laughs> and with that, we better wrap it up because we're getting very close on time. But just to let everyone know, next week we're going to be talking about reputation management theory versus practice, which is a good place to start. Uh, so with that, we better call it a an event. Uh, and Linda Ann, if you'd like to uh, count us off, we'll end this recording. Sure.
2: Four, three,
0: two, one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at Seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At Seabock.com.